The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Join us as Pastor Randy Rehm shares truths from God's unchanging Word. Then listen to this. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But I could say a lot. I I could really bring down harsh judgment on you. But he who sent me is true. And I declared to the world what I have heard from him. I could say a lot, but I only say what the Father says. I only say what the Father's taught me. Which tells me one thing. Jesus had thoughts of his own. Boy, could I tell you a few things. But I'm only telling what the Father says. Okay? What's interesting, he turns the attention away from himself. Jesus is really good at this. Okay? Towards the end, when, before he's crucified, there's, he draws that a lot of attention back on himself. But, but he drops, puts the attention back on the one who sent me is true. And I only say what he says. Therefore, what I say is true. Thank you. That's next week's message, by the way. You can look at it. Thus his declarations and judgments are true. Christ is. This is true. Since he's not speaking what he says, not judging what he's seen, and that he's only doing what the Father says when he says, you don't know me and you don't know the Father. That's a direct line from heaven. That's not just Jesus' opinion. Okay? Well, how dare you say you don't know me? Look at it. It's, it's God the Father telling me this. You will seek me, but you won't find me. No, no, I think of, I, I, that's the other guys. If I sink you, I'll find you. You are worldly, fleshly, carnal. You will die in your sins. Why will you die in your sins? Because you don't believe that I am. That's a true statement. It is true today. You will die in your sins. If you don't believe that he is the one from Isaiah 9, that he is the I am of the burning bush, that he is the eternal, unchangeable God who created all things by him and through him, where all things and that consist in him. And then we get an editorial note by John. They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father, even though he said so. Okay, that they're not catching that the one who sent him is in fact God the Father, even though we'd previously told him, 537, 816, and 18, okay? So to me, it supports when you you don't know the Father, because you can't even figure it out when I say the one who sent me, that it's him. You, You don't recognize him when you see him. You don't recognize him when he speaks, when he acts, Okay? They did not make the connection with Jesus claiming that he and the Father are one. In chapter 5, they seem to make that connection. But a lot of things have happened. Remember chapter 5, he was in Jerusalem. He's gone away to Galilee and all these other miracles, the walking on water, the feeding of 5,000, sick people, these kind of things, all right? And, and now they're starting to seem a little different. Then this next part gets really interesting. So Jesus said to them, 
That is because they didn't understand that editorial note that he was talking about the Father. Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am. So the Son of Man being lifted up is not new to us as the readers. Again, at Nicodemus, he was talking about that, uh, uh, about when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Okay, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So whoever believes in him will have eternal life. It's, to the readers, it's not a new idea. But is he speaking to these folks, when the Son of Man is lifted up, or when you lift up the Son of Man. No, lifted up is idiomatic, of course, of crucifixion. When Jesus lifted up on the cross like the serpent in the wilderness on the stake. But I, I don't think we realize that that word uh, lifted up is translated 14 times in the New Testament as exalted or glorified. So again, double meaning. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, that sense, but I think it also refers to the resurrection, when He's exalted, and to the ascension. The other part of it is here, in some way, these people are instrumental in that lifting up, in that crucifixion. Now, they couldn't condemn a person to crucifixion. Jews couldn't do it by Roman law. Jews didn't drive the stakes into his hands or his feet or put the crown on his head or beat him. But there is some culpability in this. There's some way they're instrumental in him being lifted up. The word when, when he is lifted up, time, causation. When the crucifixion, I would suggest to you the resurrection, through that, the Jews will come to know several things. Jesus now lists them. Okay? When you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know. You won't, have, you won't be in this predicament not figuring it out, being confused. You'll know. One, that Jesus is the I Am. That's his first statement. You'll know I'm God. Okay? That he did nothing on his own authority. That his teachings were from the Father. That he was sent by the Father. The Father was with him and is with him and will be with him. Okay? Doesn't leave him alone. I'll let you deal with that in a minute when you do the. Uh, my God, my God, why has that? I'll let you deal with that on your own. Okay? And that everything he does is pleasing to the Father. Now, really, I want you to get this. Um, you don't know the Father because you don't know me. That condemning statement. You're going to die in your sins. That was pleasing to God. But this also means when he's hung on the cross, that's pleasing to God too. Okay? Then it says this. As he was saying these things... Many believed in him. I so wanted to go further with this, but I thought that was a good place to stop, okay? So, what did they believe? What Jesus said. He said that I am that guy from, from Exodus. I'm that guy. That I was sent by God, okay? That I only say and teach what God's taught me, if I could say it like that, Okay? And the fathers was pleased when what he sees. They believed it without a crucifixion. 
Remember, it's not happened yet. When that happens, y'all will know these things, okay? But they took him at his word, okay? They, they didn't get to see a guy die on a cross and the clouds go dark. They, they, they weren't any of the 500 people at this point anyway, some of them might have been, that saw Christ alive walking around, okay? That heard of his ascension, none of that. That hasn't happened yet. They just took Christ on his word and believed. Now watch. But, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no one can see the kingdom unless they're born again. Huh. So how did they see it? They must have been born again. Otherwise, they can't see it. Okay? I think on an application basis, um, many people, again, believed in Jesus uh, before his death and resurrection. They simply took him at his word. And I'll apply that to us in just a minute. Okay? Many others who will have the benefit of seeing the cross, seeing the resurrection, when the Son of Man's lifted up, glorified, you will know. But they still won't believe. There are many, not all the people heard what he said, his audience believed. Some, many, not all. That means there are others that's going to come to that point, see those things in which he spoke of, know what he says that would reveal, and still not believe. I think we struggle today being more than 2,000 years detached from those events. Even though we can go look at secular, even non-biblical witnesses that speak to the truth of Jesus walking on this earth, okay, being crucified, and he even resurrected. Okay? We can look back at historical facts. But these people believed here didn't have any historical facts to go on yet. I think we struggle sometimes in, in today's world to believe the words of Christ because we're not seeing people walk on water. We're, we're not seeing the lepers healed or a blind guy since birth being healed. We, we didn't see that cross. We haven't seen Jesus physically since he's been resurrected. If you say you have, we need to have a talk. Okay? Um. But really, that's not what causes us to believe. Seeing it, these people will know these things, but doesn't mean they'll believe those things. You hear this if you interview people or talk to people. Well, I, I'd believe if he'd just show me a miracle and show me that he's there. Nah, you'd just know he was God, but not necessarily believe. It, it just makes my mind ache when I consider the millennium. Yes, I am a premillennialist. Okay, I believe there's a time when Christ will reign on earth. According to Scripture, there will be non-believers living here as well, living and dying. And they still won't put their trust in Him as Savior. Matter of fact, they'll rebel against Him. They, they could see Him standing in front, brings peace to the world. We ran into that already. He brings that time of peace in the world. There is no war. For a long period of time, whether you believe the millennial statements in Revelation are literal a thousand years or just a really long period of time, whatever you choose to believe there, okay? Peace. And they still will not 
put their trust in Christ. What you have to trust is what he said. And, and I know you, you might be thinking I'm leaping out here, but wait till you see next week. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm not, I'll, I'll get too far ahead of myself, all right? The faith comes by hearing the word of Christ, not by seeing Christ. Well, I know of nobody in this room has a phone booth they can climb into and travel back in time. Okay? That was Bill and Ted, right? I think it was. Okay, or H.G. Wells had the other time machine. You, you, you can't go back time and see Christ's death and resurrected. You have to trust what God said in His Word. The Father, the one who sent me, is true. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. The emphasis is on that. I find it intriguing that God didn't leave it up to oral tradition. He wrote it down for you. Now, like anybody else, it doesn't do any good unless you learn to read. Okay, and that's why then the Protestant Reformation came along and, and reading was so important and education and all those things uh, because they wanted people to read the Bible in their own language. Of course, you've got to take the time to learn to read. God's just not going to zap you with it and all of a sudden you know how. All right? But I find it interesting. He comes this way and says, I've written it down for you. What causes me to believe when I read it is the work of the Holy Spirit. I can take you to universities right now where there are plenty of educated men and women who have read the Bible and they don't believe it. Educated men and women who read the Bible and do believe it. Okay? It is the Holy Spirit's act upon the person that they read it and go, oh, I see the kingdom now. All I saw before was a book of myths. Histories of a weird religion from way back. That's, that's all I saw until the Holy Spirit enlightens their heart. Okay? And if you want, you know, if you got, that's an old book now. Josh McDowell's Evidence to Advance a Verdict. His son now has wrote one. Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ. Anybody read those? Okay. They take an intellectual, Lee Strobel was a reporter, um, a legal reporter, and he goes around the world talking to all these brainy people, okay. and he's going, yeah, there's, there's good, strong evidence, historical, logical, rational reasons for believing this. But when it comes down to it, it's the Holy Spirit of God working in us. You were not any brighter than the other person sitting next to you whenever it was you surrendered your life to Christ. Where, wherever that was, it was a church setting, somebody next to you, a friend with you, the, the, the gospel's presented, and, and it, it comes to life in you, and, and you're alive, and the other one's going, what, can we get out of here, man? What, you smarter than the other guy? You're more spiritual than the other guy? It's the work of the Holy Spirit that does that. Thus it is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of God to keep it in you. This is the work of God that you believe, Jesus' own words, chapter 6. It's the work of God that you believe. It's not because you're smart. It's not because you have something in you. No, there's nothing in you, Jesus said. Out of you comes all these wicked and awful things. Okay? Not that kind of belief. So 
I can give praise to God simply because when I read the book at some point, I go, hey, that became real, became life, became the bread of life to me. It came to the light of the world to me. Not because of me, but because of him. Now that bothers some people because they would ask this question. Well, you're sitting there wherever this place was and you surrendered your life to Christ. You, you, you did this and this guy didn't. If Jesus did the work, that means, that means he didn't do the work in this guy. Am, am I right? Okay, we still live in the world where the law of non-contradiction exists no matter what they say out there. Okay, if A, if this is an apple, it's not an orange. Okay, the antecedent, the opposite is therefore false from truth. So if God causes the person to believe here, the Holy Spirit works in him, that means on the other side, he didn't. Why didn't he? Read Romans 9. Paul preempts the argument. Yeah, you know what you're going to say? God's not fair. He's unjust. That's not right. Because everybody should be. Really? What makes you say that? What makes human beings worthy of God's grace? Nothing. Okay? Now, we, I understand we're made in his image. I understand that. Okay? But it's, grace, by its definition, has to be based on nothing in you. Otherwise, it's not grace. If I hire you for a job and I look at your skills, your resume, and I hire you because of that, that's not grace. Okay? Even if I hired you without the skills, knowing that you have a brain and you have a body to do the work, I'm hiring you because of that, and I can teach it to you. So it's still you, okay? But when you're spiritually ed, you don't even see the spiritual. He does it in you. Why does he not do it in the other? God is sovereign. If you don't like it, well, let me put it the way <laughs> Paul says it in Romans 9. How dare you as a man tell God what he can't and can't do? That's my paraphrase. Wait a minute, and I'll, and I'll end with this analogy. You, you've gone to the pound animal shelter, okay? And there's puppies or kitties or gerbils, whatever it is you're looking at, and you pick one. Are you obligated then to pick the others? You think it's silly. If then, then, then the guy, person working at, at the pound at the shelter starts loading all the animals up into your car. Well, if you pick one, you've got to pick the other ones. Because that's unjust. That's just not right. What? Now, again, any analogy we talk about God runs short. Okay, so that analogy will drop short and it'll falter in many places. But God sovereignly chose us before the foundation of the world. Read Ephesians 1. Don't believe me. Faith doesn't come by what I say. It comes by the word. Go read Ephesians 1. Okay, now, you may not be able to comprehend the Trinity. That Christ and the Father and the Spirit are one. Okay? Uh, one of my neighbors came into my office this morning around 6. Okay? And I showed them the Trinity in Isaiah chapter 9. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, right, we just read it. Counselor, mighty God, Prince. Well, I didn't know actually the Bible actually taught that. 
Well, what are you going to do? You walk into my house, uh, into my office on a Sunday morning, you're going to get preaching, okay? You may not be able to put your rind on it just as much as that person sitting next to you when the gospel was given did not respond. The only way you receive it is when God grants that right to you and you do it by faith, which is also from Him. I may not be able to put my mind around how that works. Whatever analogies you come up with, they all for short. I don't argue that, but it's taught in Scripture. And just in Isaiah 6 alone, Old Testament, by the way. We ran into it here in John. John, Christ calls it the testimony of his Father. When he's in chapter 5, he's saying these are the people, prove, these are the witnesses that prove that I am who I say I am. The Father came down from heaven, or his voice from heaven said, This is my Son, in whom I am pleased. The Holy Spirit descends as a dove. Jesus is in the water. I don't know about you, but that's three. But yet, he's the same. I'm not sure you can grasp, put your mind around that totally. I'm not sure you can put your mind totally around eternality. That is, eternity with God and eternity without God. I know you really can't grasp that, but if you can't ask this, Holy Spirit of God, make it real to me because my finite mind will never be able to fully understand it. We can articulate it in some ways. We can articulate the gospel. But do we really get it completely? No. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in it. The only way you're going to grasp the words of Christ is ask for the Holy Spirit's help. He's the one and the Holy Spirit inspired them to begin with. Okay, They're the ones that going to bring it to light. You're going to read Genesis and go, yeah, look at that. He made that in six days. Without it, you're going, yeah, I'm not too sure about that because they dug up these bones a while back. And, and I'll end with this one. The Jews had presuppositions. So they read Isaiah and the rest of the Old Testament because they didn't have the New Testament through the eyes of that presupposition. They couldn't handle the idea of the Messiah being God. They sure couldn't handle the idea of a suffering Messiah. They had this. I know my situation, and my God would be doing this. Let me put it the way. Well, uh, it's, not, it's not the God I believe in, if you've ever heard that today. I hear it all the time when it comes to God's sovereign election. When the two of you sitting there, and one he opens the heart and the mind of, and the other he don't. Well, that's, that, that's just not fair, and that's not the kind of God I would believe in. Then get your presupposition out of your brain and read Scripture for what it says. Again, Ephesians 1. I chose you, you did not choose me. That's explicit. And God does not lie. Okay? The God that we have to believe in is the God of Scripture. The Christ we believe in has to be the Christ of Scripture. The Holy Spirit we believe in has to be the Holy Spirit of Scripture. And by the way, the Holy Spirit of Scripture is not an it, not a force. It's a him, he. Oh, but wait a minute. I've got to change my Bible to be gender neutral. I'm sorry. God uses the masculine, and so therefore I use it for all three. And I'm not breaking that. Why? Okay. Ask your question. The things that you believe, I know there's the base things, cross, the resurrection, but the other things that you believe about Christ and his kingdom, we'll call it Christianity, okay, but is it based on scripture or is it based on something 
you've been taught or your situation. Well, I'm attracted to the people of the same sex, and God loves me the way I am. I'm going to ask you, is that the God of Scripture? No. Okay? But that's where our world is moving us towards. Okay? We, we, we might claim, like these guys did after the resurrection, after the crucifixion. Yep, 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 I know he's crucified. I was there, I saw it. Yep, yep, he was resurrected. He walked around our town. That doesn't make them believers. It makes them knowers. Because all the other things that forms around those doctrines, teachings, that's where doctrine, doctrines, there are many more essentials. There's way out there the non-essentials. But one of those essentials is the supremacy, sufficiency of Scripture. Do you need a situation in which to interpret your Scripture, a modern situation? Well, you know, I stand, see, I, I, know, I know Neva, see, and ne female, uh, yeah, we can say that, talented, bright, knows her Bible, therefore she should be a pastor. My situation doesn't determine the truth of God's Word. There's, your situation is, you guys are oppressed by Romans, so you think that Messiah is going to be this kind of guy, and you missed it, but you won't the last time. That final tribulation stuff, you know, I've seen the movies and Antichrist. They'll, they'll see him in the clouds. And they will recognize him whom they have pierced. They will recognize Jesus, the one who died on the cross, as that conquering, peace-bringing Messiah. But how many and how many generations lost out? Put your trust in the Word of God, and man, you're going to get it next week on the same thing. I don't mean get it in a bad sense. But that's the theme of what comes up next week. Let's stand. Perhaps you were listening today and you go, how can you believe in that archaic book and all of its mistakes and errors and problems? We'll have a whole other conversation on that one. Start coming to Wednesday nights and we'll go to that one too. Okay. Father, I thank you that uh, you are the light of the world, that you bring light to the darkness. When we're walking in darkness and totally lost, that's all we know. We think that's reality. You and your sovereign act bring light to our heart and our mind. I thank you, God, that you've called people to share the gospel, to share the cross, the resurrection, that you use people. I ask you, God, to use the people here today that they would be the preachers by which this message comes across, that they do not have to gauge success by response. Success is sharing the gospel, then let God do what God does. God, for those that are listening today, do, do only what you can do, God. Bring light into their darkness. Open their eyes. Let them see. Cause them to be born again. Grant repentance, O Lord, those which you've appointed unto belief by which then, God, you will receive all the glory. Amen. This is Stephen Wilson, and we want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you were blessed by today's message. Truths from God's Unchanging Word is an outreach ministry of Kindred Bible Church in Caldwell, Idaho. If you would like to listen to other messages by Pastor Randy or learn more about Kindred Bible Church, visit kindredbible.org. Our prayer for you is that you grow closer to Christ as we study the truths from God's Unchanging Word.